message to sing. Our text is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15, in a sermon I've titled, What's Next? 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. He was driving down the interstate and looked over his left shoulder and a lady in a brand new Mustang doing over 70 miles an hour is coming up fast behind him with her face up next to the rearview mirror putting her eyeliner on. He looks away for a couple moments and then he looks again. And she's already over into his lane and still coming on, still working on that makeup. He's getting concerned now. In all the confusion, he said, it scared me so bad, I dropped my electric shaver, which knocked the donut out of my other hand. In all that confusion as well, trying to straighten out the car using my knees against the steering wheel. It knocked the cell phone off my knee and it fell into the cup of coffee that was between my legs and it cut off a very important call. He said, women drivers. I guess some, some of those guys won't accept responsibility, but I can imagine he's also saying, what's next? Okay, and so uh, I just thought that was fun. I enjoyed it if nobody else did. All right, so. But uh, let's look now in Second Thessalonians chapter 3. And verses 10 through 15. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busy bodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work, and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man, and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet, count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now shall we pray. Father, I pray as we look into your word tonight that you'd make it clear for each of us. Speak to each of our hearts through this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. The last few months of my dad's life were things that were not very comfortable for him. He had had a fall and broken his hip. And so basically he was in either a rest home, a hospital or something till the last week when he was moved to hospice. But he was uh, very impatient okay and if you know him you know exactly what I was talking about and so we said well dad you got to do this you got to do that he'd say okay what's next okay what's next okay and that was the term as and it got to be a joke among us all you know when we'd say well we got to go here and do this all right we will but what's next you know and so we was just having fun with it and I really appreciate Dick and Lucy. Now, since they're not here, I can say there's something good about them. But they, they got the brunt of most of it, okay? But uh, Dad was not a happy camper. He was wanting out. He was wanting to go back home. He was wanting to drive his car. And praise the Lord, that didn't happen again. And uh, he was just bent on getting to do what he wanted to do. But he was very impatient with the formula that was set out for him. Now, as having said that, as we just finished 
revival meetings. Although things are different, it's still the same question of what's next. You made decisions, and those decisions <clears throat> may be for various things. Some of those decisions were not comfortable. You had to make some things right with some people. You had to make things right uh, in other areas of your life. Other uh, decisions were made of something that uh, you knew God wanted you to do and you was going to do it. The necessary thing is, is that it was overall, it was good for you. And once you made those decisions, there was a lifting of a burden and a joy in your heart. But now let's remember, what's next is to finish the race as a victorious Christian. It's so easy to get drawn off the path. And so with that thought in mind, I want us to go back to our text and look at verses 10 and 11. And the first thing I want you to see is character and consecration. Character and consecration. Verse 10 says, For when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busy bodies. Now, verse 10 is really a matter of character. Uh, and by the way, I don't make up the rules God does, but this is a matter of character for ourselves individually. And, and God still, for us, makes up the rules. And so here are the rules, and uh, he's giving them out to them. And he says, if any doesn't, uh, will not work, they do not eat. Very, very straight to the point. And this is basically addressed to people that they had in the church that would not work for their food, They'd get together and they ate everybody else's food, so to speak. They weren't going to work for their food. They weren't going to do They expected others to, to provide it for them. Now, welfare is not a bad thing if a person cannot get a job. But the welfare ought to have within it work that people can do to maintain their dignity and, and right of working for what they get. Okay? When we lose that dignity of saying, all right, I've worked, I've earned. They gave it to me, but I worked for it, I earned it. That's so much better, and that's the way God designed it. For men to work for what they receive. That's why in the Bible you'll find various Laws concerning those that employ others about not cheating them, giving them a full day's wage for a full day's work. Now, today there's a saying, uh, equal pay, uh, and, and, and I know that, that that's, that's a good thing, equal pay. But I feel that uh, it ought to be equal pay for equal work, okay? It ought to be equal pay for equal work. Not equal pay because somebody else is getting it, but they're not doing the same work. Okay? So it ought to be equal uh, pay for equal work. I think that's a biblical, not a biblical philosophy, that's a biblical truth. But now the Greek is very interesting on this. Uh, it lets us know that the, here that the present tense is used in giving this, and so it's a continuous action. And so it means always work for your living. 
Always work for your food. If you're able to work, do it. I can remember going to college, and, and I always pick the best times to go when there's a recession and nobody's hiring. So I got to the point where I was going down twice a week giving blood plasma. Now, you, they'd take a pint of blood out, they'd get the plasma out of it, and put the blood back in you. The first time you went, they'd give you $5. Second time you went in the week, they gave you $10. And so I remember doing that, and I can remember walking up and down the highway, finding bottles. Never once took welfare. Now, I'm not saying that was wrong or right or anything else, but I felt like I ought to work for what we received. And I had a family with, at that time, two children. But to me, I wanted to work. Now, what we ate wasn't uh, uh, the top of your list. We had, uh, usually, I think it was grits, powdered milk. So you can make a lot out of water, okay? And, and that was about it. Now, that's great when you have grits for breakfast. Kind of gets a little old when you're having it for lunch and supper as well, okay? But we did that. We did that. And God provided. In other words, uh, we did not get undernourished. We didn't get malnourished. We did not uh, die, obviously. So God provided for us, and we made it through that time. And I'm just saying that is that you work for a living, you work for your food. And, and the word, uh, and, and should eat uh, there, when he says there, should not eat, is also a present imperative, which is a strong command to do this and don't stop doing it. And so the present on work is the idea of you keep on working, don't quit, you don't leave a job because, well, you just don't like the people there, you just don't think they're nice. You never leave a job if you don't have one to go to. Okay? And so don't make excuses for quitting. But here, it's actually a command to the church. Don't feed a lazy person. That is a command. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 says, There that uh, let one learn to provide for his own household. One that doesn't provide for his own house is worse than an infidel. And by the way, if you read 1 Timothy chapter 5, you'll find out that also are mentioning about even nephews taking care of that widowed lady that cannot take care of herself any longer. So, uh, family has the first responsibility. People today think either government or the church. No, family has the first responsibility in God's sight. But a person that's able to work should work. But the secondary meeting should also be considered. Although that is primary, the idea of work for what you get, the secondary is also very important uh, for people who will not get involved in the work of the Lord but they're always expecting the church or God's people to do things for them. And so they won't get involved in the work of the Lord doing what God wants them to do instead of just choosing, well, I'll do this because it fits their fancy and it won't cause me any problem. I won't have to exercise myself. I will not have to exhaust myself. I will not have to get out of my comfort zone to do it. Now, let's realize that if we live in this life, God's got things that we'll do that goes outside the comfort zone of the flesh. And you've got to decide what is most important, walking in the Spirit or walking in the flesh.
That's what we have before us. So primarily or secondarily, this is a character issue. None of us, not one of us, are able and should ever consider ourselves lords who need to be served, or rather, people do what we think they should do. Instead, we are servants of God who need to operate within the parameters that are laid out by God for his local church. Now, God's laid it out for us. We need that. Now, that calls on us then to be prayer warriors, to be people who read the word and meditate therein. I was listening to uh, J. Vernon McGee, I think it was on today's uh, radio uh, program, but he was saying uh, things about this of people saying, I believe the Bible from cover to cover, and they have not read the Bible from cover to cover. How can they believe in something that they have not read? Oh, they read a part here and a part there. But should we be taking in the Word of God on a daily basis? Should we be taking the Word of God at all times and, and continuing in that Word and doing it and doing those things diligently? Read, think on it, looking what God would have me to do. Look diligently, ready for the uh, beacon call of God. Have the attitude of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, he has a vision of heaven, and he's up there with, uh, and he sees all that's going on, he realizes, oh, I am a man of unclean lips, and, and of course they take the coal off the fire and they touch his lips. And then after that, God says, who will go for us? Who will warn this people? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. He realized he was not worthy to go, but he wanted to go. Here am I, Lord, send me, and God did. Now, it would be hard. It would be tough. But he would have the presence of the Lord. And so he said, here am I, send me. Now, verse 11 shows that if we consecrate ourselves by this command of verse 10... We won't have bad character, as we see in verse 11. Again, he said, after saying to work, he says, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, not working at all. God says it's disorderly not to work. He says, neither should he eat. They are what? Busy bodies. That's what he calls them. Now, God calls them busybodies. Now, if God says you're a busybody, God is right, okay? You're a busybody. Now, these are not serving at all. They are disorderly. Look, we have the Ladies Christian Fellowship. We have visitation. We have radio. We have bus ministry. We've got prayer times. We have a host of other things that are in your bulletin. But there are those that just rest content. I'll just go to church, and that's all they need. Won't even give out a track. Won't invite people to come. Certainly will not witness. Not diligent in the prayer and the word of God, reading and, and, and studying it to know God's will and to do it. Not seeking to live an obedient life unto the Lord. Now it's interesting 
that the continuous tense, the continuous present tense is used here in the Greek, which means that this is something that's ongoing in their life. And when it's ongoing in your life, now probably all of us have crossed over that from time to time. But when something like that is ongoing in our life, then we find out that we are the busybodies. And the problem is a problem of character. A problem of character. And that attitude will lead to problems in your life. Now, be quick and ready to serve than to spread accusation and gossip about others. Don't be a busybody. And let's look at that problem of busybodies. Now, it's interesting that the Bible does not use the word gossip. It, if you get in and, and you look, now, it may be in one of those other perversions, but it's not in the version, the King James Bible. And so, if you look there and you look up the word gossip, you will not find it. Okay? It's just not there. But there are words throughout the Bible that show different aspects of gossip. For example, a sower of discord, uh, a false report, speaking evil, a backbiter, just to name a few things. After our revival meeting and decisions have been made, Satan will make sure to attack. He'll try to get you from the work, he'll try to get you from the word, he'll try to take you away from prayer. And when he does that, and when you start to give in, all of a sudden he will begin to show you people. He'll show you things in people's lives. Sometimes those things will be true, but other times those things will be what you misinterpret. But regardless, You'll see those things and begin to justify your lack of fulfilling your walk and the decisions that you've made. And if Satan can deceive you into doing this, he will also show you things that are a false report, be it gossip or what have you. And whatever it is, he'll do it to justify gossip because he knows when you are a busybody, you are ineffective for Jesus Christ. Now, you can be very religious, but ineffective for Jesus Christ. Being religious, but being ineffective means you just got something that you do that's religious. But has nothing to do with your relationship with Jesus Christ. So, after seeing the character... And we need to consecrate ourselves completely to Christ so that we don't become that fault-finding, critical spirit person. That's what it takes. Consecration. I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep on doing it. I'm not going to quit. Or I'm just going to stick with it. And then you stick with it. Then you see the next thing. To correct and continue. And that's in verses 12 and 13. He says there, Now, them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work, and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Now, 
I, I really like the simplicity of what is stated here. They're simply to correct the problem. That's all he's telling them. Correct the problem. Take care of it. God gives each individual personal responsibility to correct ourselves when we go away from the call and the Word of God. Now, as I said, many of us may have made decisions in this past revival meeting. A sin to stop, a work to do, a drawing closer to the Lord. And you say, boy, that was a real decision. Not, not trying to explain it away. There was a real decision I made. Okay. The things that take you away from that decision can even be very real and true things, but they're never excuses to take you away from what God has called you to do. Never. Never. God's called you to do something, stick with it till you die or till he says, I don't want you to do that anymore. And don't say, God doesn't want me to do that anymore until you actually know by his word and he's impressed it for a while on your heart. Again, primarily, this passage was looking at those that do not work, <clears throat> should not eat, but don't use the tithe to help Lazy people to continue therein, okay? So, again, to correct the problem, one of the things the local church does is, well, that guy just needs food. Great. Let, let's give him some work to do and, and, and feed him. In other words, we give our tithe. I mean, we do. We give our tithe. Uh, that offering. That time ought to be in worship of God. And so you give that. But we as a church must not use that that was given in the worship of God that would honor laziness, that would honor that which is not good. Okay? People need help along the way. And we've helped people along the way. Many times they're working people. Well, they didn't manage their money real well or they wouldn't have had a light problem or they wouldn't have an electric problem. They wouldn't have had a broken down car that they couldn't pay for. Well, we can make all those accusations, but there are times that we do step in and try to help out. If family can't help, then the church family does step in. But we are not, and let me emphasize this so people know this, we are not a social welfare agency. Okay. God gives principles by which we are to go. So, the word exhort here, he shows that the ones bringing the command, these, these preachers that brought the command from the Lord are strongly urging them to obey it. The church should see to it that the person for whom this is is personally responsible to do the work that they need to do. So if a person won't work, he doesn't eat. But if he's willing to work, make sure that he's responsible to do the work. It's that simple. 
Now, it is noted <clears throat> that the command from the, is from the Lord Jesus Christ. Telling us that that is coming from the Lord Jesus Christ, that also speaks of accountability. That is accountability before the one who will judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. Now, the command is simple. Work, and he says not only work, but do it with quietness. And that is the secondary application in which you do the work of the Lord and you do it without finding fault, you do it without a critical spirit, and without spreading what you hear instead of what you've actually witnessed and totally understood, and you went to the person about whom it was speaking concerning. Now, you do it any other way, you are, not by my word, by God's word, a busy body, and you're not doing God's will, God's way. After correcting the fault, we're told to continue. Don't be weary in well-doing, the next verse says. That is the idea of, of, of the work, of, of, of not uh, saying, I'm tired of doing this. Now, it's not speaking of your body getting tired. I'm sure our bodies will get tired in a lot of things. In ministry. Look, those guys that go out on the bus on Sunday morning, and especially in summertime, and it's so hot, and then they come back, and after you got here a couple hours after they got here, they get home a couple hours after you get home. But those two or three or four hours they spend extra is worth it if a soul of a child gets saved. Now, I'm told that on Wednesday nights we need about two men and one woman to help in a bus to kind of monitor, to keep things down, to keep things the way they ought to be. And, and that's true. And we need a couple men because, you know what? We, we've, we've got a society now where the kids, all they hear from their parents and in their home and everywhere they go is the filthiest language and out of control. So they need a couple men in there that can stop them from fighting and other things that go on, stop the cussing, stop everything else. They need a lady that can work with girls doing the same thing. But that's on Wednesday night. So you get here early and you ride the bus and then after church is over, you ride the bus again. But those are souls for Jesus Christ. And you could do that, but if it's not convenient, then you're not going to do it. It's not whether or not you're called because a lot of them won't even seek to see if they're called to do that. That's a question to ask yourself. The Lord, would you have me to do that? And go and do it. It needs to be accomplished. So, you correct the fault, but you also continue in well-doing. Even if the body is tired. Uh, look, we have seniors. Uh, I'm starting to understand even more and more that that door-to-door -door is kind of hard for them, let alone 
some of the other work that goes on, it will be harder. But that doesn't mean they're no longer of any use. God has just changed their ministry where they can be prayer warriors. Now, let me say this to the senior ambassadors. I are one, so I can say it. Uh, Praying for the ministry, upholding this ministry in prayer is not five minutes a day. You can, you can pray in specific terms, not just general terms. Pray in specific terms and, and back up some of these popes. Back up some of these folks that are trying to do the work and pray for that work and, and, and lift them up before the Lord and, and, and give some good, strong spiritual prayers, but don't just keep it general. Keep it specific. You don't pray when you see your loved one dying there, you see your loved one is hurt, getting ready to pray surgery and say, bless them, Lord, amen. No, you get very specific in your prayer. Keep the ministry specific and stay in prayer. Routine, the routine of the work can become routine. So always ask the Lord that it be... uh, such that you're always excited about the work and the souls of men and and that you can continue to serve God and serve him with distinction in the way that he would have you to serve. Character. Consecrate. Correct. Continue. Then see the final two things. Clean and care. Look at verses 14 and 15. And if any man obey not uh, our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. The Bible instructs us to watch and pray. To watch is to guard like guarding a city. The, the guard that would stand on the wall that day, he was standing there to watch those that might try to sneak in and, and hurt or steal or destroy the city. And so they kept their eyes open, looking for the enemy without that's trying to sneak in and, and corrupt, to sneak in and, and, and do evil. And that was their job. But they also had a job to watch within. If a house was on fire, if someone was trying to break into a home, or whatever of that nature would be going on, and they were there, and they were to warn, and they were to cry it out over the city to keep people uh, warned about it and, and let them know things are safe. The Bible refers to the preacher as a watchman. The pastor must guard against those things which can come into a church and bring it down. In Jude, verse 4 is very interesting here. It says, For there are certain men crept in unawares. Now, what he means by that unawares is that they pretend that they believe as you do. They pretend they have your standards. They pretend that they are just like you. Oh, yeah, Ben, I go along with that King James. Oh, yeah, I go along with those separate standards being separate from the world and separated under God. Oh, yes, we go along with that. It's 
So there are certain men that crept in unawares who have before, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, uh, condemnation. That is, people who do this, God has before ordained their condemnation for people that would do actions that way in the local church. Sneak in, pretend to be one of them, and you're not. In the 80s, 70s and 80s, it was the charismatics trying to sneak into churches as ours and work with various people and getting that now, uh, getting that way into the charismatic way and speaking in tongues. Today, it's more the Calvinists trying to come in. Oh, we're one of you. No, we don't believe that. But they'll get in and they lied. In both cases, they lie as to what they are to try to get in and corrupt and change things. And those are the ones to watch out for. And he says, ungodly men, ungodly means without God. God's not in what they're doing. Ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That is, by their false doctrine and lack of standards, they deny the holiness of God. And so what are they doing? They're creating another Jesus, 2 Corinthians eleven four. Not the Jesus of the Bible. How many pastors did not warn of the emerging church, tongues, the contemporary church, Calvinism, and such like? Now find churches are ensnared by these things. These things that are false, these things that are evil. The standards are gone out the window. And James 3, 1 says, Pastor, you have a greater condemnation. The Bible speaks of sheep as going to the slaughter. Too many have given up because pastors would not stand. He said here in this text, And if any man obey not our word by this epistle this epistle this epistle had various things in it about standing firm and sound doctrine and he says if they won't obey by this epistle now it's not just about a guy it won't work it's about the things that are contained in this epistle just some of the things he talks about in this epistle are witnessing it's enduring suffering it's about serving the Lord not shaken in mind about the surrounding events, especially in these last days, as well as the loafers that this was speaking concerning. So watching for these things, watching for them, it shows whether or not we care for the holiness of God and His righteousness. It shows whether we have that care. We are to note that man who does or does not the things as according to this epistle. Whether they do what they're told to do or not to do, not doing what they're told not to do. If they do the opposite, he says, note that man. 
publicly identify them. That's what the word mark means. He says, note that man means mark that man. It means to publicly identify them. In Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18, he says, mark them. Other words, publicly identify them. If I stand up here and I say Rick Warren or I say some other name and you say, he shouldn't say that. If they're preaching wrong doctrine and wrong ways, the Bible says to do it. Now, should I do what God says or should I say what philosophy of religion says? We better learn to do what God says. See, that's the way God laid it out. That's the way he wants it done. We do God's will, God's way, in God's time. So again, he says, identify him, and yet we see how that is to, to do it. See, we are to be men and women of character. And so when we see these things, you see what's going on. You do something about it. You clean, you clean it up because you care. You clean it up because you care. Cleaning is not going to everybody else if there's a problem with a brother. It's not going to everybody else if there is a problem with a brother. I've said this in here and I'll say it again. I've it's not a hard and fast rule, but it's something I do. When gossip comes back to me, and it's happened about three or four times, it's coming from different uh, areas. It's not identified with one person that I can go to. It's just several different areas, several different people. I'll preach it from the pulpit. I'll give an answer to the gossip that's going around. And people say, you shouldn't do that. Yes, I should. Yes, I should. I'm giving an answer, a scriptural answer, for the hope that is within me and for what's right. And it corrects a problem. You see, the reason they don't want you to do it because they don't want it to be a wall against what they're trying to accomplish. So, so you do that. You try to clean. You try to correct. But you especially, you do it because you care. You care for the things of the Lord. And you care for that person. Correct what's wrong. And then you continue in the work. Then clean the church of those things that quench the spirit. And sear the conscience. See, there's no place for a divided heart between the world and God. God spews that heart out of his mouth unto the world's side. That's God's way. In verse 15, he said, though, yet count them not as an enemy, but admonish them as a brother. The people who do the, the, the things that were mentioned here, be it not working, be it gossip, be it uh, whatever that these things are herein contain, they're still brethren. They're not enemies. They're brethren. Wrong, but they're brethren. So he says, Admonish. That means to mildly reprove with guiding advice. 
But having no company is the idea of this. You call up your friends, hey, let's go out to eat together tonight. Hey, let's get our families together. Let's do this tonight. Okay, that's the idea. You're doing those things. You're doing things. And you, you, you talk of the things of the Lord, but you also have fun together. Maybe go to ball games together and things of that nature. Now he's saying, have no company. Don't do those things, yet admonish them. Mildly reprove them and let them know, hey, look, I love you, but I can't do these things with you anymore until you get that right. Hopefully, they'll be ashamed of their sin and get it right, and you have won your brother. And that is God's will, and that is God's way, and, and it's the best way to do it. Now, the spiritual problem will always be there until it's made right. So what's next? What's next? Think on your decisions, whether it's to stop doing something or to start doing something. Am I sticking with it? Question yourself about your character and just how consecrated am I? Correct things that are starting to take you away. Correct them. The earlier you correct them, the better it is. And then continue to walk the path that the Lord laid on your heart to walk. And then when there are things that are coming in, clean them up. And care for others. I want you to stand by those decisions because I believe that they weren't decisions made for me, for Brother Pelletier, or for the church. They were decisions made through the preaching of his word that God impressed on your heart. They weren't decisions for a week. They weren't decisions for a month. They were decisions for life. Go back. Make sure that you're going to stand by that decision and give it all you got. That's what's next because after that, every one of us will give an account of himself unto God. Let's bow our heads, please.